here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarran. You know, we, uh, we had some feedback from our last show. Okay. Episode 94. More than one person told me or spoke to others and said that I was a little rude to you. Cutting you off, not letting you get picks in, forgetting your your existence, really. Jeff Hawkins. I'm being trolled. Hold right on, Jeff, Jeff, wait. <laughs> wait, I have breaking news coming into the news desk here. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarran and Jeff Hawkins. Daniel, have you ever seen a ghost? The hero and the coward both feel the same thing, but the hero uses his fear, projects it onto his opponent, while the coward runs. It's the same thing, fear, but it's what you do with it that matters. Cuz D'Amato. You know, guys, there are some shake them ropes that I dread, but this one... I'm itching at my cubicle, waiting to get out of work to run home and talk about this. Today on Shake Them Ropes, NXT TakeOver, Breaking Ground, and our top 100 match to see before you die from the WWE Network. The match that got me into pro wrestling. Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard in an I Quit match for the United States Heavyweight title from Starcade 1985, The Gathering. Here now, your hopes. And a man I hope is as geeked as I am to talk wrestling, Rob McCarron. Yeah, I'm excited. I like that takeover show of last night. Uh, Hello, everybody. This is Shake Them Ropes episode number 154. We are on our way well into uh, the 150s to go into episode 200. We are, uh, I mean, what? I mean, by the end of, uh, by the end of this year might be too quick, but middle of next year, middle of next year, we're going to be at episode 200. Jeff, did you ever think that was possible? I thought you would have fired me by then. Well, by 200, there's still time. <laughs> there is still time. And given your workload of late. <laughs> I don't even know what my workload is. I, I uh, don't know what. I meant, I meant your podcasting. Load. I know. I keep saying yes to everything. I should stop doing that. Yeah. I should stop doing that. Shake Them Ropes is where it's at, though. Shake Them Ropes. We have uh, a lot, actually. This is our second episode of the week. We did one on Monday. So if you missed that, Shake Them Ropes episode 153, uh, you know, we previewed TakeOver, which is come and gone. So maybe if you haven't watched TakeOver yet, go listen to that show, watch the TakeOver show, and then listen to this one. Uh, we got TakeOver to talk about. We have Magnum and Tully, as you said. When I was four days old, this match took place. We're going to talk about that one. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions about it, and I'm sure you're going to be happy to give me uh, any answers you may have. Completely uh, geeked. Yeah, we we didn't talk. Ready. <laughs> I know you're you're so ready. You're so ready. We're not going to open that one. We're no, gonna I know. Wait. All We're of make this, you wait. all of this show. Anybody who keeps writing down, I don't think Jeff likes wrestling anymore. I think he's being too critical. Oh hell no! This is all the love. This is hose. This is there will be hosings. And Rob, I will drink your milkshake. Oh, I don't know. No, <laughs> but yeah, they're going to be hosings uh, of Jeff there Hawkins because he's will excited. Be and you know, this is a big week for Jeff Jeff Hawkins too because we have the. Uh, the potential hosing here as we talk Magnum and Tully. And last episode, if you missed 153, go back and listen to it because Jeff sang again. 
You did some singing on that episode. Yes, I did. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I heard I heard the first attempts to sync it to the theme. Yeah, here's the here's the key <laughs> thing about syncing it with a theme, guys. You have to lower the actual vocals on the yes. theme. I I love we we have a, a Twitter follower, Head Cheese, which is I love him. awesome. Great. He's yeah. great. He listens to a lot of shows, and I'm very happy to have him. Uh, I think he's a listener on Stitcher too. I think he listens on Stitcher because we are available on Stitcher. If you guys don't know, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, uh, Downcast, everything basically. Google Play is a new one. Google Play has podcasts now. We can be found there. Uh, but he he did a sync on YouTube. He uh, We tweeted it out. Uh, he synced you singing the actual Nia Jax theme. So if you missed that episode, if you missed Jeff Hawkins singing the Nia Jax theme, <laughs> go back and uh, do uh, go listen to that. Here, here's uh, the thing, Rob. Good. On the Bailey theme, on I the choked Bailey. up. I choked up a bit on on one of the verses, and it and it it, it went top down. You're ready to go because I thought, yeah, I kind of misremembered it. On this one, I thought I had really good tempo that would have synced with the music. Should anybody attempt that? Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a good. Uh, it was a good try. <laughs> it was a good uh, attempt. As good as you can do at singing, yeah, which is no, not your forte. Well, it's not supposed to be all that good. I'm, no, I'm waiting for Sasha Sasha to win the title before I sing hers. That that'll be a special. Edition. Oh, is that what you're waiting for? Possibly, yeah. Uh-huh, Oscar's okay. come. Oscar's coming up soon, sooner than later. Possibly, not. Yeah, no. Sure. There, there could be a lot of people coming up, and that might be something we get into on uh, on our takeover review a little bit. But I wanted to start just because uh, we got takeover to go through. We got, um, you know, a, a very fun show. I mean, yesterday was a good night for for wrestling. You know, watching the Magnum oh, Tully yeah. match for our, our top 100, watching. Uh, NXT TakeOver. I know there's a lot of listeners out there that probably watched Lucha Underground or Ring of Honor last night. So uh, we won't talk about those on this show, but, you know, that's uh, more wrestling for the uh, fans out there. But there was a special after TakeOver, and it was the uh, like a reloaded version. Basically, when reality shows do their season and then have a where are they now type thing, this is basically what this was last night. Breaking Ground Reloaded. We had a new episode of the Breaking Ground series uh, which featured a lot of cool stuff, but probably nothing cooler than Triple H telling the talents who ended up debuting on the main roster after WrestleMania that they were coming up to the main roster. That was my yeah. favorite part of this thing. Uh, but let's uh, go ahead and spend a few minutes on uh, WWE Breaking Ground, a show that we've we've talked about recently uh, based on you know random conversations we've had, just like who were the stars of Breaking Ground. And uh, so, yeah, what did you think about Breaking Ground that uh, showed up last night after TakeOver? No, like you, I also enjoyed the call-ups. I, I did, and I thought they were probably, I, I don't think they were staged necessarily. I think they, they had the cameras ready to go when they brought them in and whatnot, and I think they wanted the actual reactions. I really liked that. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I would say that you watch the Apollo Crews one, and that's yeah. the one that really gives it away that there that's- was no way that's staged. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, in, in reality television shows, there's hardly anything that's ever reality. And that kind of went for the actual breaking ground show. Uh, but I, I truly believe that this is probably when these guys were told, because listen, it was probably that weekend when everyone decided that they were actually going to be a part of TV. So, you know, I, I don't feel like this was months in the making that they were new. They would be going up after WrestleMania. So it's all, yeah, it was all genuine. I thought as far as the reactions, as far as triple H telling them. I like how Triple H goes up to them as almost like a mobster, like he's about to give bad news. Like he's looking, yeah. he's not looking in their eyes. He's looking away. He's kind of hunched over and he's like, listen, I got to tell you, uh, you're going up to the main roster. He has such a weird interplay with the talent on there. It's almost disconnected in a way. Like when he went up to wish Sami Zayn the best of luck, it oh, was yeah. kind of like, yeah, yeah. It, there's yeah. something very 
impersonal, but yet personal. It's it's very strange. I liked Enzo's reaction a lot. Uh, I found it an interesting choice to try and humanize Baron Corbin a little more. As opposed to how they played him during the season in terms of being kind of the tough guy who who never really, you know, you know, this is my job and I'm going to be, ex-, you know, that kind of just drivenness. It, it, I mean, the story of him going into the battle royal and he thought he might cry or puke. And then, you know, watching him, you know, hug everybody backstage when he gets called up and pictures with his family with the with the trophy. I thought that was an interesting editorial choice. Well, it was part of their part. part of the show too was more like uh, that kind of stuff was more like the WWE 24 stuff than it was mm-hmm. actually being part of Breaking Ground. There was yeah. some Breaking Ground stuff on there. Uh but it, it felt like a mixture of a 24 and a Breaking Ground. They weren't quite sure what exactly they wanted it to be because you're right, Bar- in Baron Corbin's sense, uh not everything they did with Baron Corbin's presentation was consistent with the way they presented him on breaking ground. And at the same time, this was a, where are they now for him? Because he's not going to be on the next season of breaking ground. If there is one, cause he's all the way up. He's uh, he's not coming back down. So uh, I, it, it wasn't interesting. <laughs> it wasn't interesting uh, way of pacing that show for sure. And I absolutely howled. I howled at the post show. Triple H comes in. In this, in this, <laughs> locker room full of guys where it's a cosmic business. Hey, I got your cake. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why that threw me off so much, but I just went, eh, it's not like, you know, a, a pay raise. <laughs> I got your cake guys. Sheet cake from, from Costco over here. Nothing wrong with some sheet cake. No, sheet cake's great. I, the, the, my only negative on the thing was, you know, of course the end with Dana Brooke. That just did not fly with me at all. And really? any of that. Oh no, because most of the time she was out was due to the plastic surgery, right? Oh, that was part. Yeah, they they did. They they continued the fake injury angle. Yeah. As they did. I, and that's kind of took me out. It's like, oh, they're they're building it up for their big star really coming out, Dana Brooke, who we've called up. We're leaving Bailey behind, but we're calling up that Dana Brooke because she's got something. And it's that, it's that, you know, I've been doing two a days to, <laughs> and I just went, man, you 75% of the show was going great. And then this, and I'm just like, yeah. okay, you know, it didn't throw me off too much. I didn't really, you know, it didn't turn me on the show. I just kind of went, yeah, they're going to do what they do. Right. But now let's talk about, uh, the big important thing from breaking ground. Like there were cool moments on that, but if they, if they are getting ready for season two, yes. Most Tino, impro- Sabatelli. <laughs> Tino Sabatelli, the most improved wrestler in NXT. Wait, what? I was getting what, what? that was the, that was the story they were telling. Okay. The story they were telling was how bad he was that he got sent back down to the beginners class. And then guess what happens? He improves so much and so much that he's on live events and that he's, you know, he's ready to take hold in NXT. They were starting the train for Tino Sabatelli being the most improved worker in NXT. I, I will take that as soon as he makes television and I'll, and we can <laughs> which watch may, there. which maybe tonight. Maybe. Yeah. Probably. I, I wouldn't think so, but there, there's an interesting factor because, you know, we're recording this 15 minutes now before they actually begin the television tapings. They're in full sale uh, for the fo- post takeover tapings. So you might get some of the new guys. You might get, um, Oni Larkin on television. <laughs> you might get the new, uh, Ember moon 
the new name for Athena Reese. Uh, oh, is that her name? Okay. I it did looks not like know that. Ember Moon. Uh, yeah. So she was on the dark match actually before takeover last night. She beat, uh, I think it was Peyton Royce she beat. Right. Mm. And uh, yeah, so you might get some new talents, uh, maybe not doing anything important right now, but at least being on television for the next couple of weeks of TV. Uh, Bobby Roode can get built maybe up here. Something with Bobby Roode. Uh, yeah, something with Bobby Roode. So you got an opportunity not only with uh, call-ups coming up maybe in a couple of weeks on the main roster. Very interesting tapings to see what happens tonight. But yeah, I, I really got a kick out of Tino Sabatelli. Um, I'm, and maybe I'm the only one, maybe I'm the only one. It certainly seems like I'm on an Island by myself here when it comes no, to, Tino I don't Sabatelli. think you are. I don't think you are. I think you're overselling it a bit until we wait and see. Yeah. I, I could oversell the potential. I think you might be yeah. right there. I might be overselling the potential Look, because I, not, not everyone, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to oversell his athletic potential at all, given how many years he spent in the NFL and knowing how hard that would be to do. I think he's, he's a little older. So he's not going to have the learning curve necessarily, but I, I think, I think you based it on what they showed you on TV in terms of how hyped you might be for this. I, you haven't seen him live yet, have you? I have not. I I want okay. to. I want. Okay. I want to see Tino Sabatelli live. He's been working okay. a lot. He's on these uh, Florida shows a lot. He was doing the nationwide tours. So uh, this is a guy that's been working a lot. I mean, now is not the time where he's not making the cards, you know, where they show that segment where, oh, I, I'm really excited to see who's on the card tonight. Oh, I didn't yeah. make it. Darn it. Uh, yeah. Tino Sabatelli isn't one of them anymore. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I liked I It was a fun hour. Like I, I watched it. I ended up watching it right after takeover um, late last night, not right after, but late last night. I did end up watching it. I watched it on my phone. Uh, so I, I was like, I was excited to see it. I, I had gone in not knowing there was going to be that breaking ground episode. So that actually came as a nice little surprise to me. I was unaware it was happening. I was, I was shocked at how overcome Jason Jordan was by the tag team. one. I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah. He seems like a guy who's really into it, man. He's yeah. well, also if you're Jason Jordan, I mean, that was from, just frustration though, coming out. I mean, well, I, that, I, 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 yeah, but it, by your perspective, you were there so long. You thought you may mm -hmm. not have actually had a job there after a while. Like you might've mm -hmm. been, you know, released uh, for not doing much and to actually get a moment like that in Dallas. Uh, it yeah. was probably a lot of relief too. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm here to stay. They, they're not going to cut me now. Like I actually, I can stop worrying. So, uh, if you're there that long, sometimes you, uh, you might be a little frustrated, but you also might be a little worried that your time might be up before you even get a real chance. So uh, it, it was a, it was a fun thing to see all around. I was glad they did it, but yeah, you're right. Dana Brooke was probably the most hokey part of that. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? In an hour of a WWE reality show, if the worst part and the only real negative part is a little bit of hokiness from Dana Brooke, it's a good show. I'd, I'd pay an extra $2 a month to get just a feed of triple H while he's watching an NXT show being taped. Because I just loved every day. Oh, you know, it's a good sign when they're yelling, uh, holy shit, during during the intros. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> he's right. And and that was a curious part, too, because Sami Zayn mentioned it. I'm sure Triple H was probably thinking it a little bit. But before that show, they knew that Shinsuke Nakamura was going to get a really big reaction. But you never know how big. You You do wonder if certain people will think they're a big star or know who they are. And we kind of got that with TakeOver. We'll get it with uh, Andrade Cien Almas when we talk about TakeOver. Uh, yeah. You never know exactly how people will react to a new person that the casual fans in the U.S. might not be accustomed to seeing. You you never know. So when Triple H saw that reaction, the same as Zane was talking about how, you know, we expected a big reaction, but we didn't know it would be that big. I think there's truth into that. I think you can't really expect how just how crazy 
over someone will be when most of the crowd has never seen them before. Yeah. And one last note, and I know some people get fatigue over this. I am not one of those people. You could put a camera on Izzy forever and just record her being so into wrestling oh, God, one way was, or another. She was devastated. And, oh, yeah. And you know what? I'm happy someone can feel that way about yeah. someone losing. That's true. I really yeah. am. I think that's a positive for the business. She was devastated when Bailey lost. That was a yeah. Uh, that was no, I was yeah, because I remember I was at the arena and I and I heard her. Yeah, because she was she was inconsolable at the time. Yeah, you know what's coming up next Sunday, Jeff? Uh, Money in the Bank. That's true, but you know what else? Mm, no, it's Father's Day. Ah, yes. Yeah, Father's Day is coming up. It's coming up quickly. If you haven't thought about what to get dad yet, MacWeldon.com makes it easy for you. Go help the man who raised you, who turned you into the fine Shake Them Ropes listener you are today. Your dad bathed you. He changed your diaper, probably reluctantly. He also chased you down the street with a bat in hand when you wouldn't do the dishes. Or is that just my dad? Was that just my dad who did that? Anyway, with the most comfortably performing socks, underwear, shirts, and hoodies available, get your Father's Day shopping done easily at MacWeldon.com. And right now, Shake Them Ropes listeners can save 20% off your order by using the promo code VOW. Use code VOW at checkout for 20% off. And if you're not happy with your purchases, Mac Weldon will refund your purchase quickly and easily. Shop for dad today. Use the promo code VOW to save at MacWeldon.com. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. MacWeldon.com. Jeff, the least you can do for your dad is to get him a pair of socks. Am I right? <laughs> that, that is literally the least you can do. Least, yes. get, him a, get him a pair of socks. Maybe even an undershirt. Um what I, I forgot I forgot it was Father's Day. Though. It's Father's it's Day. Kind of. Well, it it the weird thing is my mom's birthday is always around Mother's Day and my father's birthday is already around Father's Day. His his birthday is actually t tomorrow and I got him uh I got him a mail order seafood so that'll be delivered tomorrow. <laughs> he's getting he, he's getting lobster for his birthday. So. I I think that would be a majority of people though. So you know, Mother's Day uh seems like the more important one and it probably yeah. should be. You know, you want to yeah. get mom something. Father's Day kind of goes under the radar and then it's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's coming up quick. And I think a lot of people listening to this, the first they will actually realize that Father's Day is coming is probably that right there. There uh, you go. So there you go. MacWeldon.com. Really, it does make it easy. Uh, and they have right now up at MacWeldon.com, they have uh, packs you can get that are put together by actual dads who shop on the website. Like they did a survey and they have actual packs. Like, this is what I like as an actual nice. dad. This is what I would get. So it, you really can go on there in a couple of clicks. You've got all your shopping done. So go and do that right now. NXT TakeOver was last night. NXT TakeOver, the end. And then yes. WWE hedged it a little bit by calling it the end of the beginning. Uh, mm. So uh, in Triple H's mind, this was uh, their symbolism that not only is the Samoa Joe Finn Balor feud over, but it was also the end of NXT being a developmental brand. Now, he said this a lot. He said it for about a year. Uh, but last night, he reiterated that the NXT on-screen product is a third brand within WWE and no longer a developmental brand. Uh, before we get into the heart and soul of TakeOver, what do you think about those comments from Triple H last night? That this this TakeOver right here signifies the end of, of NXT as developmental, especially when we had a certain uh, tag team debut later in the, in the show. I think it may actually signal something that I speculated here last week that it may not be a third brand. It may be part of the second brand. That's right. Yeah, we still have time to to see what can happen with that. With uh, Jeff Hawkins' thoughts that 
NXT might be incorporated somehow into uh, SmackDown. That would certainly throw any type of draft or brand extension roster splitting into a loop because if you keep a lot of the WWE stars actually on the main show on Raw and throw a couple of big names on SmackDown but basically do it up with a lot of NXT names, that would certainly make SmackDown kind of feel really new, right? It's not like you're just splitting up the roster, but you're actually refreshing SmackDown quite a bit. That would literally make it a brand extension. It would. It would make it Hmm. a brand extension, literally, and not just figuratively. Of course, we mentioned Ember Moon, the new name for Athena Reese. Uh, She defeated Peyton Royce in the dark match on the show, but then we got the debut of Andrade Cien Almas as he went up with Ty Dillinger, and it certainly seemed like... uh, I, beforehand, we talked about this in our preview show that Ty Dillinger seemed like the perfect guy to go yeah. up against Adrian and, and grow up against Andrade Cien in his debut. And uh, I don't know after watching it if that's the case. I don't know if Ty Dillinger might have been the best possible choice to go up against Andrade. The match was pretty fun. The match was good. Andrade did a couple of cool things, but it certainly seemed like from entrance to the end of the bell, uh, Ty Dillinger overshadowed Andrade a little bit. My my joke for you was Amber Moon, sister of Cobra Moon. <laughs> um, yeah, you know I think Ty Dillinger on this. I I think Ty Dillinger over the year may you know he's in the running for most improved right now in terms of you know he's really starting to get some steam on him. Most I think of, most improved as far as the character goes, right? Yes, because yeah, as I'm, far as a character, yeah. not as far as like a, a worker necessarily, because he's already pretty good right. in, in that respect, but. Maybe he was too popular to put in this spot. No, I think he was. I think he was too popular. Against against someone who was really... Especially with the Full Sail crowd, right? Because maybe somewhere else it wouldn't have been that way. Uh, But with the Full Sail crowd, they were, from the very entrance, they were all about Ty Dillinger. And you could hear certain pockets of the crowd try to get everyone into Andrade because they knew, like, we this is the guy we really should be into and he's the future of this brand. So let's be into him. Uh, But the crowd, you know, Ty Dillinger was their guy and they wanted to cheer him. Yeah, I, I thought Cien had a million-dollar moveset here. Don't get me wrong. I thought he was really good in this match. But, yes, his, Ty Dillinger's popularity overshadowed it. I think Cien's ring gear, or at least his entrance gear, is terrible. Oh, man, I love it. He looks like a reject, or some sort of cross between Jimmy Garvin or the Fabulous Ones and Los Bariquas. He... I, I think it's terrible. Uh, you think it's terrible. I, I enjoy it for what it is. I mean, it's, it's entrance ring gear. So what are you going to do? Uh, it's probably a little bit to the point where you may want to boo him. You may be uh, like, I don't think the gear is terrible, but it's probably suited for a guy who thinks he's better than the crowd. Yes. It's suitable for it's, it's a heat. It's heel gear. Yeah. Right. It's that's the, pro- there it is. That's the disconnect right there. He's, he's dressing like a heel. Right. And he's being, Yeah. And that okay, we we nailed it right there. You, I think because you're not you're not going to see a lot of uh, baby faces come out. Now Shawn Michaels did, but Shawn Michaels did stuff like that because he had been using it for years and years, and he eventually was just becoming a guy who no one was going to boo anymore. And he did it, and he wore it because he established it at first. Um, whereas Andrade is trying to establish this as a babyface now, and that might not sure. be the uh, the right move. And if he was, say, if Sammy Callahan was still in NXT, if Solomon Crow was out there, and he was a uh, you know whatever. I think Andrade has more of a reaction coming out. I, I really think the crowd yes. was, was, they were split for sure. And they really wanted to see Ty Dillinger do well. I don't think anyone even knew that Ty Dillinger, no one thought he was going to win, 
So they were cheering for him so heavily because it's like, we know you're going to lose, but we want to make sure everyone knows that you're our guy. Dare I say he's also a bit too close to no way, Jose? Um, I don't think so. I don't think I he's mean, not, too not, close. Not he's, not doing, total... he's not doing the dancing and whatnot. And, you know, right. obviously the heritage, if you're, if you're trying to compare the heritage, but hey, there's, I don't, I don't think you can compare that just because uh, maybe, the, their maybe gimmicks just... are completely different. Maybe it was the pants. Maybe it was the pants. Know. The white pants coming out. Maybe it was. Yeah, with the entrance, yeah. the white pants. Sure, I could see yeah. that. But no, I, I think they're they're distinguished enough to where. Okay. I don't think too many comparisons are going to be drawn. But, but yeah, you did no, get. I thought Dillinger over delivered here. Yeah, I no, think. he was really good. I went back and watched uh, Apollo Cruz's, uh, you know, on screen TV debut, which was the Takeover Brooklyn of last year, where he mm-hmm. faced Ty Dillinger. And it was a stark contrast. I mean, that's kind of where this perfect 10 was just starting to get going. And the crowd in Brooklyn didn't know how to react to it. He was just an, an opening guy and the crowd was ready to see Andrade or uh, <laughs> Apollo Cruz. So Apollo Cruz was way more over than Ty Dillinger was. But now here we are less than a year later and this crowd is super into Ty Dillinger, at least that full cell crowd. Uh, so we'll see where Ty Dillinger goes. I mean, there was a lot of debate, like how well will Ty Dillinger do on the main roster? Like he's starting to get over. And there's, you know, the one school of thought is he may never go to the main roster because his role is to be a veteran that works with these young guys. Um, you know, for example, the Apollo Crews and now the Andrade CN, that's his role. But in WWE, if you get over, no matter what your intended role was, if you get over and they think they have a spot for you on the main roster, they're going to put you on the main roster. So I mean, Ty Dillinger may at some point go on the main roster, um, but that's a... Uh, I think this might be a cool gimmick for the main roster. I think it could get over, not to the level, but it can get over in type, kind of like the Yes Chance did. I think it's much more easily for the the crowd to chant, you know, the 10, the 10, the 10, than it is to do the, like, Fandango dancing. Mm. So I I think it has potential to get over if they wanted to put him on SmackDown, don't you? It has some potential, yeah. I I think maybe another error in judgment. If they're putting CN in the Cruiserweight tournament, Maybe they should put him up against another cruiserweight. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, could have been. Because mm-hmm. that, and that's the other thing too. He'll have plenty of time here in the coming months uh, to get the crowd on his side and really show yeah. him. It's not like this crowd was against Andrade. They just they didn't know him. You know, a lot of the crowd they knew of him, but they didn't actually know him because they hadn't seen him on the Florida house shows, and they wanted to see Ty Dillinger, their guy, win. Yeah, American Alpha also full sales guys. American Alpha was defending the tag team titles and in what I thought might be the best tag team match I remember on NXT television. Like this one was really good. It was as good as the Indianapolis match that I saw when they were at the live event and they did their best of three falls. I really liked this tag team match. I thought the crowd was super into it. I thought there was not a lot of rust that they had shown in previous TV matches. Uh, Revival and American Alpha, we have new tag team champions. The first two-time tag team championship team uh we have the revival winning what did you think about the tag team clash mr tag team wrestling i also agree it might be the best nxt tag match ever the only one i can think of that might have been better would be the american alpha corbin and rhino match that was really really good american alpha ran their all their tag team matches it seemed in that dusty Mm. classic were really good yeah no I, i agree with that um, I, I loved this match so much because it did have some old school callbacks. The Revival brought out the Midnight Express's Vegematic, which is one of my favorite double team moves ever. That's the bear hug move when he comes off the top rope with the leg. 
Yeah. That one, that was great. American Alpha had kind of a callback to an, an old bad company spot. Bad company also known as the Orient, Orient Express in the in the WWF with that drop kick into the German suplex thing. They used to do a super kick into a German suplex that looked pretty darn sweet. So I loved both of those. They were actual double team moves as opposed to single guys kind of, kind of doing their thing. And it was, it was far more of a different match than we've seen between these two teams before the crowd got really up for the, for the submission double team spot with the ankle locks. I, I loved this match quite a lot. I've never audibly hooted during a, tag match or during during anything other than the women's match there's a couple times it's rare that i actually audibly <laughs> you're audibly hooting audibly yelped yeah. during a match I, I did that i think during the bailey sasha the, the reverse rana spot mm -hmm, sure i just went oh my god like that kind of thing yeah here i just went oh my god they did the bench dramatic are you shitting and then they did the uh and then they did and then american alpha ended up doing their double team move i just went oh my god i'm marking out on my couch i can't believe it i'm a grown man but you know i love this match a lot well good uh, that's yeah, uh, it's gonna be on my top 10 of the year i think put it on your match of the year contenders lists everybody mm -hmm. but yeah the revival win and then we got uh the debut of the authors of pain a team yes. that's been doing a lot of work on the florida house shows uh in developmental uh, we got the debut of the Authors of Pain, and it seems like they're going to be managed, uh, at least for now, by Paul Ellering. Paul Ellering mm -hmm. make his debut at, at NXT last night. Uh, the crowd live didn't know, uh, didn't necessarily know who he was. Not that they had never heard of him, but they didn't recognize him because it's been a while, a long while since he's been on TV. His daughter's been on NXT TV more than he had. Uh, right. But Paul Ellering is back. And it looks like they're going to do something with the uh, Authors of Pain. And do you think the Authors of Pain could be the ones that send American Alpha out? Is last night's loss from American Alpha a sign that they could be main roster bound? Yes, I I do. I don't know how much Ellering's going to help them. Um, but if it gives Rachel a job, good for her. Paul Ellering has always kind of been hit or miss on promos. If you watch old Road Warriors ones or even his old ones, I, I've seen a lot of those in Mid-South. Uh, when he was coming up the ranks before he injured his back and had to become a manager. He can be very, very good, and he can be a very, very interesting presence there. This is a wait-and-see for it me. Is, I think, it, I, th it is I think there were other, other, other wrestlers, old wrestlers he could have brought in to be mouthpieces that could have cut better promos here. Yeah, but you never perhaps, know what's... Perhaps even those with daughters who might want sure. to be on the roster. Oh, God. But... <laughs> Stop trying to get Tully Blanchard in, man. <laughs> I want him on the TV talking. Uh, no, I just I want more talkers. So, you know what? I'm happy about the development of a manager. I thought you could, you could have even brought in Stokely Hathaway here if you're going to have... If you want to bring in a manager from the Indies. Uh, you know, it's possible, too, that he's not in for the whole yeah. time. There, no, It that's... could always be... Maybe he's coming to the Performance Center to work with the Performance Center kids, and they just put him yeah. on TV for, you mm -hmm. know, two events. So... Uh, until, well, they get their, until they get their feet wet. Yeah, it's a, it's a wait and see, but the Authors of Pain, and this is where you kind of start getting into, you know, this is a brand new tag team. These are not guys that were on the indie scene. Uh, and this is where the developmental comes into play, is that this will be their first exposure on uh, on main wrestling TV. And in a way, they are developmenting. They're, they are developing. <laughs> they are developmenting. <laughs> it is. Well, I was about I hope, to say they I are hope. developmentally... Uh, <laughs> you know, inclined here. So uh, I don't know, but they're, they're developmenting, they're developmenting. Uh, I, and now Paul Erling is their flacky. <laughs> I hope they both do moonsaults and they're turned into the new headhunters. Okay. Well, I don't, 
I don't know. I I was going to say I don't expect that, but you never know what to expect. Maybe they've been practicing in that crash pad ring at the yes. performance center and Come they're on. ready to just go do 450s and crap, you know. Big you never guys know. doing moonsaults. Holds me. My one thought after this, especially after seeing the initial reaction, uh, you know, right when American Alpha lost, I'm seeing tweets on my timeline saying, well, I guess those guys are getting called up. And then as soon as the authors of pain come in, I'm seeing the same people tweet out. Well, maybe they're staying Uh, there. There's still five weeks to the draft. My my one note would to uh, not let anything that happened last night or on TV tonight necessarily tell you one way or the other that someone's going up or not going up to the main roster. Because uh, as we saw last year around this time, Kevin Owens went up at the end of May to the main roster. He was still on TakeOver Brooklyn. So he was still doing TakeOver and NXT stuff for three months after getting called up. So No, but but it does answer my question from the preview. I go, well, you know, they the the Revival have Tommaso and, and, yep. Uh, yep. and Gargano. Who do the American Alpha have? Well, there you go. They answered the question. Yeah, they answered your question. Absolutely. And now we get to see Revival and Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, most likely, which I'm all about. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that one, too. Um, I, uh, I think the tag team division, as they head into the months where we might get another Dusty Classic, they are building up the tag team division again. And that's a good sign for guys like Jeff Hawkins, who love tag teams. Betcha. And they're doing double team moves, which is even a better sign. Both team, everyone is doing double team moves. I mean, American Alpha's finisher is a double team move. Uh, Shatter Machine from the Revival is a double team move. Uh, they were doing double team stuff with uh, with the Authors of Pain. You got Guns and Gallows right now on WWE. Their finisher is a double team move. Mm-hmm. They is coming back with the double team moves. Obviously, the Dudley Boys have a double team move. Uh, yeah. So yeah, a lot of double team stuff going on in the tag team division. Then we got to the uh, the Dream match. The top contenders match, not necessarily a number one contenders match, but I assume it will end up being so. Shinsuke Nakamura, Austin Aries, uh, they went 17 minutes. Shinsuke Nakamura gets the win, and Austin Aries didn't necessarily go full heel or anything here. Uh, he was still, he was, he was playful, if you will, mocking the entrance of Shinsuke Nakamura, but not so much in a heel way. Uh, but what did you think about this one? Shinsuke Nakamura getting the win over Austin Aries. I thought it was a fun, good match. I, my reaction was because I was, I did not watch this live. I watched this a couple hours ago when I got home from work, but I was getting ready to go do a, a comedy show and podcast last night. And this is around the time I woke up to get ready. And I checked my Twitter. I didn't understand all the hatred for Aries. It seemed like, the Twitterverse was really tough on Aries in this match. And I don't understand why I thought he was perfectly fine. I don't, were they holding him to some kind of standard or is this just kind of like malaise or anger towards his attitude on Twitter or something to that effect? I think a lot of it has to do with his reputation. I I think there was some of it that, you know, when you see Shinsuke Nakamura, you want to, I think people want to maybe see him against like the, the superstars like Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and don't necessarily consider Austin Aries to be at that level. Uh, maybe some were comparing it to Sami Zayn and, you know, I, I don't think Austin Aries is at the level of Sami Zayn. So I wasn't going to expect that. Uh, it did blow away my lowered expectations. It actually, mm-hmm. I, I really like this match too. Um, yeah. Hate for Austin Aries based on the match itself. I wouldn't get, but I can see dislike for Austin Aries based on, you know, his reputation preceding him, okay. uh, his match work preceding him. But as far as this particular match, Austin Aries came to work, man. Cause this guy yeah. knew that to, to get this crowd, uh, you know, not even to get the crowd in his favor because he wasn't trying to like win over the crowd by any means. 
But to try and avoid this crap where people are going to say Austin Aries didn't belong in that match or Austin Aries was no good. To try and avoid that, Austin Aries went in there and he knew he had to outwork Shinsuke Nakamura to prove that he belonged. And it's funny that Austin Aries still feels like he has to prove to belong because he probably shouldn't. I mean, he's had a hell of a career so far to where maybe people like me shouldn't be questioning his in-ring stuff. And I used to be a fan of Austin Aries and I, you know, his early stuff even before he was the current Austin Aries before he was as good as he is now. I was a big fan of Austin Aries. So I don't, I don't really know what it is with Austin. I just, I think once he turns heel, the whole game will change with Austin Aries because he's much better suited to be a bad guy in NXT. And now NXT probably needs him to be. Now you look at the roster, Samoa Joe is there, but as far as single stars, there's not really another big time heel on the roster right now. Yeah, and I thought his first year of TNA, that run, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, so, I, I had people I mean, on the timeline talking about how he was great the last four years of TNA, too. I And I believe him. I, I'm not doubting that. I just never, I wasn't watching TNA closely enough to actually know how good Austin Aries was in his TNA run. So I don't doubt that either. I think Austin Aries has probably put together a, a many years of being a high-quality talent. Uh, but he hasn't put that together in NXT yet. And that match might be a beginning. Uh, if they do something with his character in NXT more than just he's a high-touted free agent who's finally here. Because right now, Austin Aries' character is only that he was a free agent who got signed. That was his character. Mm-hmm. So he needs to do something more than that. And I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think it's too much to ask that to you know give Austin Aries something to do that the audience can sink their teeth into. Because right now, he's just a free agent who was signed. That's it. That's it. And they're not even doing it as well as Bobby Roode because we got Bobby Roode in the background of this NXT takeover going into William Regal's office. So something's going on with that. At least with Bobby Roode, they're playing it so slowly and they're showing him on television having these meetings wearing the suit. It's like, this guy's a free agent too, but he seems really important. Yeah. Austin Aries, we never got that. Austin Aries was just on TV getting attacked by Baron Corbin his first night. Mm. So I'm hoping I'm hoping they're doing uh, Bobby Roode right. Maybe. And then, hey, Bobby Roode will come in. Maybe he's going to be a big-time heel. Maybe Austin Aries is still in limbo. I don't know. But Austin Aries needs to do something with the character. They need to do something with the character. Because this current Austin Aries just isn't going to win everyone over. If you can go out there and have that match with Shinsuke Nakamura and still have people wondering why you're there or saying your TNA run is a or your NXT run is a bust, if you have that match and you're getting called a bust, something's got to change. Because it won't get better from here if he stays in that character. It'll get worse. You can reach Rob on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. You can reach me at Crap Game 13. Should you have any issue with anything we're saying right now? Asuka beat Nia Jax. <laughs> Nia Jax was probably uh, disheartened by listening to your song of her and just couldn't recover. Well, if that's the case, she will be. Oh, no. She'll, she will get her mojo back about me when I offer this mea culpa. I underestimated her in my preview for Voices of Wrestling. I did. I underestimated her. I based it on, you know, Nia Jax sucks tweets that you'd be reading during things like that. And she's terrible and stuff like that. Nia Jax is on my ballot for most improved this year. Right now. It's that match over delivered. Oh yeah. That match over delivered. And you know what? The thing that Nia Jax, and if anybody wants to tell her this, please, with my regards, she sells pretty darn good right now. That was, for me, one of her big issues. She used to sell like a bird had pooped on her while she was walking down the street, you know, kind of wiping off whatever someone would hit her. She really did a great job selling for Asuka in this yeah. match. No, she did a great job. I mean, she did. She made Asuka look really great. 
Uh, you can add Nia Jax to the list of opponents for Asuka that, you know, made her look like a superstar. Uh, Nia Jax was fine. And it, it's crazy because we talk about Tino Sabatelli, how he's improving. Uh, we talk about Nia Jax, how she's doing well. Chad Gable was trained by the Performance Center. I, the Performance Center is doing a pretty good job of getting these guys ready, not just for WWE style, but for pro wrestling and a lot of different styles. It, it It's working. No Nia one, Jax sells better than Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, well, now I don't know if that <laughs> shot was necessary. I don't know if that shot was necessary oh, at all, but that, we're going to give a chance my, to see. That was my internet trolling of the week. There wow. we go. That was, that was weird. Uh, we had our our second Twitter question of the week, and it's not really a question, but I want to I wanna address this. I want to get uh, your thoughts on it too. Uh, okay. Danny on the Twitter feed says, the NXT women's depth showed last night. No second kick-ass women's match, unlike the four, the four horsewomen era. And the depth of the women's division right now is, I think, calling it not strong would not be a mischaracterization. Uh, you have Nia Jackson there who stood up to Asuka this uh, night on TakeOver. But really, right now, it's about Asuka and Bailey. And you have Alexa Bliss who, who started. She has an interview on WWE.com right now, so it looks like they might be... Uh, kicking into gear the Alexa Bliss singles push, possibly starting as early as tonight. Uh, the depth is not there like it was during the Four Horsewomen area. You you couldn't put a second... You could. You could put a second women's match and make it strong, but they don't have anything built up right now. And Bad news for you. There wasn't a second strong women's match on any of these other takeovers really either. Well, If you think about it, there, not, was, there, there was talent there, but I mean, like right. that four-way at yes. TakeOver in Brooklyn, that was a disaster. Well, the four-way the, was also, yeah, the four-way wasn't on TV, and you're right. It ended up being a disaster because of the, the botched finish. But I, I think we're just talking I about the depth of the rosters, right? Not necessarily mm -hmm. putting a second match on TakeOver. You have two hours, so uh, they've done it before. But last night was kind of, last night was full to put anyone else on the show. Uh, but you're right. The depth depth area, it could be getting better. We got Ember Moon. We finally have a name for Athena. Uh, we got Carmella down there. Bailey's going to come back. I'm sure you still have Nia Jax there. Asuka for the next month, at least there's potential. We'll have to wait and see who, if anyone goes up to the main roster to fill out a women's division on the main roster, maybe. Uh, but there is potential there going into August that we could be in another incline for the women's division as certain wrestlers I, finally make appearances on television. Yeah. I do think you need a couple of veterans from the indie scene to bolster it. Not necessarily to make into stars, but to make the people that you want to be stars a little bit better. Yeah. yeah it could be. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the potential there because it looks like we're getting something and all you really need to do is just start building people up because they mm -hmm. have, they have talent right now. The depth, you don't think the depth is as good as the four horsewomen era, but they had Bailey before the four horsewomen era. They had Sasha Banks, who wasn't getting, uh, you know, she wasn't yeah. considered a big time star. You had all that talent. It was just it took them time to actually do something with them. And once they did do something with them, the crowd ate up everybody. They ate up Charlotte. They ate up Sasha Banks. They ate up Becky Lynch. They ate up Bailey. Uh, so hopefully they can start to see that again with some of the other talents like Ember Moon, like Carmella, maybe like oh, Alexa yeah. Bliss. As uh, as tapings happen tonight, yeah, pe people underplayed just how floundering on the right. roster both Bailey and Sasha were before Sasha's, they became but, Bailey yeah. and Sasha. Especially, yeah. you know, when Sasha joined the BFFs, that's when the light turned on for her. 
right right then and she'd already been on the roster two or three years by that point so you know what don't uh don't don't sleep on the division just because it seems like it's in a rut there's potential there's potential uh Samoa Joe and Finn Balor is over Samoa Joe is the NXT champion he defeats Finn Balor in the cage match uh no Balor club stuff Finn Balor was the demon last night and they have demon shirts coming out for Finn Balor. So it looks like uh, that more evidence that they actually are transitioning away from using the Balor Club uh, in reference to Finn Balor, something we talked about on episode 153. Uh, the match was fine. I thought the TakeOver Dallas match was better. But Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, that era has ended. Samoa Joe moving on to something else, possibly Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, and the big question now becomes, what does Finn Balor do? I liked the cage quite a bit i liked samoa joe in this match quite a bit i think it needed blood i really do i think it needed some more viciousness out of it um i liked the little subtle move of joe at the beginning of the match running for the door i like that if you gotta make escape a priority to concentrate on do uh, that but other than that it was it was it was good i mean I, it wasn't it's not gonna be memorable that's the thing it's not gonna be memorable I it know. was fine it, it won't be too memorable it may be memorable just for the fact that it was the first one Kind mm-hmm. of the way that Bo Dallas is remembered for having the first ladder match, even though you don't, yeah. you probably don't remember the match itself, but you remember the yeah. fact that it was the first one. Uh, my only gripe with this match, and I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, if I'm going to critique one thing, it is that Samoa Joe tried to escape early and then tried to escape later on in the match. This whole match was built up about these two guys were brawling so much that they couldn't be contained. This cage was yeah. supposed to contain them, not allow anyone to escape. It's not like Samoa Joe had been ducking fights. So now you needed a cage to keep him in the ring. They have been brawling. They wanted to contain them. So I don't like the uh, I don't like the aspect of using the escape so early. Maybe if Samoa Joe was in trouble and he thought the only way he was going to keep his title was to escape late in the match, maybe that's a story you could tell. Uh, but if I have one gripe from this match, it's that he tried to escape early and often. Oh, okay. Well, see, I think they could have put that over on commentary that, well, that makes Joe a lying heel. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, there was a lot of things they could have done with escaping. It's not like I'm saying I'm against escaping the cage. There's things they I could am. have done with escaping. <laughs> uh, well, I know you are in general, but there there are ways to make it work. And I just don't think Samoa Joe trying to be sneaky was the right way. I thought he should have been the fighting champion he had been. You know, cut his promo. And then later on, later on, if he wants to be the the sniveling heel who's like, oh, my God, I might actually lose. I better get out of here. Eh, yeah, the one thing thought. I did like, I, I liked that they actually teased the the coup de gras off the cage. Yeah, and then that's yeah. how the, the end came. I thought that was a really nice touch. And that super muscle buster was great. It looked like it killed Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. So that's an excellent ending, and that really does cement the victory uh, for Samoa Joe. Samo- some, uh, Samoa Joe goes into being the NXT champion. No second me, title reign for Finn Balor. Let me ask you a technical question real quick. Sure. I, need to, I need to double back a bit on on uh, Nia and, and Asuka. Was uh, Danilo and Fibio, was he calling that match? Was he calling them? that match for? The, oh, and Nia and Asuka? Yeah. He wasn't calling it for them. He was probably, I, I've actually seen this amongst the refs in the women's matches, probably more than any of the other matches. Is, and he yes, does most of the good ones. He, so, he does. Yeah. I would see Drake Younger do it. Uh, Drake Wirtz. I would see Drake Wirtz do it. Is Yeah, they they are reminding what spot comes next. Okay. But as far as calling it in the ring, they're not calling it in the ring, if that's your question. Well, no, 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 no. I don't think they're calling in the ring. I know it's well rehearsed and whatnot, but with Asuka having a light grasp of English and Nia being very, very new still, despite it being rehearsed, you get into that big stage 
and adrenaline kicks in and sometimes memory goes. Oh, yeah, so no, I thought I'm, maybe he was doing a little bit more reminding them. Yeah, it could Okay. It could have been, but yeah, they they do the spot reminding every so often. It's not okay. it's not necessarily anything more no, than No, I that. thought he did a great job. I yeah, that's no, why he's I good. was asking. Yeah, no. I I agree. I think I think all the refs they got, the Eddie Oregno guy, I don't have an opinion on yet, but all the other refs have done really well. Like the NXT refs are mm-hmm. awesome. I I think okay. they're all great. Sean Bennett, especially Drake Wirtz. They're all really good. Uh, this is your card. That's NXT TakeOver. The next TakeOver will be August 20th. The tickets have gone on sale for the pre-sale. The full tickets go on sale on Saturday. Uh, TakeOver Brooklyn. WWE Money in the Bank. Before we get into the match, I, I'm just going to stall until uh, Jeff Hawkins worries that I'm actually not going to have time to talk about Tully and Magnum TA. Well, if you don't, then I'm giving you more audio and video to post. So okay. You know. <laughs> All right. I know. Um, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, the main event for Money in the Bank. We have the six-man Money in the Bank match. Uh, still rumors going around that Bray Wyatt might be added to this when he's ready to come back. John Cena, AJ Styles in the singles match is official. Rusev and Titus O'Neil for the U.S. title is official. And then you have now a uh, a tag team four-way. A tag team four-way. The VOD villains are are still around. The VOD villains up against Enzo and Cass, up against Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows, up against the New Day. So that was a little bit of a surprise for me that they put all four teams in one uh, match for the titles. But hey, that is our card right now. Five matches at the new arena in Las Vegas uh, for Money in the Bank. What's the one match so far that you're looking most forward to on Money in the Bank? Uh, AJ and Cena. Yeah, me too. I, I just I just thought the build for the money in the bank match was absolutely ridiculous. I wonder on what, that raw. You know, I, I love I love what they've done with AJ Styles ever since he won the number con, the number one contendership after WrestleMania. Everything he's mm-hmm. done after that has been absolutely amazing. Uh the Money in the Bank match, I wonder what they're gonna do because a lot of you know, some of these guys participated in the Money in the Bank match that we had just two two uh months ago. Not the Money in the Bank, but the Intercontinental title ladder match at WrestleMania. Uh, so you had Sami Zayn in that one. You had Kevin Owens in that one. Uh, wonder what they're going to do. I'm I think it's obvious. Them. The only guy who hasn't won yet is Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Kevin and Owens. On TV in terms of those six and the matches against one another. That's so. true. I, I hadn't thought too much about it because we'll talk our preview of this one uh, next week. I'm sure we'll get you know at least one or two more matches, I'm hoping, on television. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe something with, uh, Charlotte and Dana Brooke going up against Becky Lynch and Natalia in a tag. Yeah. Yeah. Not doing a title match, but a tag, uh, match of some kind. Uh, or maybe they do, uh, two matches. Maybe they do Becky Lynch and Dana Brooke and then have Natalia and Charlotte or yeah, opposite Becky Lynch and Charlotte, then Natalia and Dana Brooke, something like that. We'll see. Uh, but we will preview that show Next week on Shake Them Ropes, back on a regular day, most likely of uh, Tuesday night. So set your set your uh, podcast feeds accordingly uh, for that. Next week we're also going to talk about match number twenty nine on our top one hundred list. We got match number thirty coming up today, but next week match number twenty nine is the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian from No Mercy nineteen ninety nine. Nice. The the finals of the Terry Invitational Tournament, also known as the Tit. Oh, it's a true story. I'm not joking. I that, know it is, but I had forgotten all about that. It was the winner. Of, the winner gets the <laughs> services of Terry Runnels as your manager. It was the Hardys and Edge and Christian in a ladder match. The winner <laughs> getting Terry. It was the Terry Invitational Tournament. So next week, we're going to talk about all about that match. Uh, but tonight, it was November 28th, 1985. I was four days old. Tully Blanchard 
Magnum TA, Magnum TA going for the United States Championship at Starcade 1985, match number 30 on our list. What did Magnum pay you? Did Dusty Rhodes pay you? What happened? Did you stoop to taking payoffs to overrule the National Wrestling Alliance and put me at Starcade in an I Quit match with Magnum TA? That's unheard of. And I tell you what, Jim Crockett, there are four weeks until Starcade, until Thanksgiving Day. And I tell you what, I'm going to do everything in my power and everything in my lawyer's power. I may have to go right to the governor, the president, anything. I'm going to get something done because I'm not going to stand for an I Quit match on Thanksgiving. Jeff, I know you're really excited about this one. I am. I was 12 years old, and I watched this in the Norfolk Scope. Uh, this this Starcade took place in two locations, both Charlotte and Atlanta. Um, and to give you guys a little bit of a, a background on it, um, I, Tully Blanchard, for those who don't know, had a, had a very interesting gimmick, so to speak. He, he was a, he had kind of the playboy gimmick, but at the same time, there was that kind of underlying poserness to him. If you watch his promos, uh, he was, he, in a, in a, in a federation that had Ric Flair, whom he had actually feuded with the year before in 1984. This is pre-Horseman. Um, Ric Flair was a flamboyant playboy. Terry or Tully Blanchard appeared to be a guy pretending to be a flamboyant playboy and not really quite pulling it off. But he was always kind of, if, if I had to describe him in modern day WWE gimmicks, he, he'd be across somewhere between The Miz and Seth Rollins. You know, he, he was a weaselly heel who was also a ladies' man. And his lady was Baby Doll, a, uh, who was a women's wrestler out of Texas by the name of Nicola Roberts. Uh, now Nicola Roberts. She was married to uh, the wrestler known as Sam Houston, who was Jake Roberts' brother. But that was also kind of ironic that they always called her the perfect 10 because she obviously was not the most... She was attractive, but not the most attractive woman in the world. And she would be Tully Blanchard's bodyguard. So he had a woman doing the fighting for him, which in the South, major heat. Magnum TA was kind of the Roman Reigns of his day, um, especially in those early, in the early build. They put him in, give him thirty second matches for the belly, set up the belly to belly suplex as as a finisher, and and move on. He'd occasionally have longer matches, such as when he won the U.S. title versus Wahoo McDaniel earlier in 1985. So here we are after the Great American Bash in 1985. Dusty Rhodes had defeated Tully Blanchard for the television title. Magnum TA had defeated Kamala for the United States title. And the Great American Bash is on tour going around from city to city throughout the month of July. And on July 21st, Tully Blanchard defeats Magnum TA for the U.S. title when Baby Doll, dressed as a security guard, because back in those days in the arenas, you'd have cops who were off duty making extra money kind of surrounding the arena and, and walking around and keeping an eye on fans and whatnot because fans could get a little rowdy from time to time. Well, Baby Doll was dressed as a security guard and handed Tully Blanchard a roll of quarters, which the visual of the quarters went all flying and Magnum dropped like a stone. Uh, and Tully covered Magnum for the three count, to which um, the excuse he used when put upon it, what about the quarters? Tully Blanchard said the fans were so moved they threw money at him because of his performance. So at the August 13th television tapings, Magnum TA returned the favor. He came to the ring dressed as a security guard. He had actually, I believe, been in costume all night walking around as a cop at the time. Don't quote me on that. And handcuffed Baby Doll to the bottom rope. 
and then went to the ring and attacked Tully Blanchard, beating on him. And he vowed to get his belt back sometime during this year. Okay, so we keep going on this. In October, uh, Tully Blanchard and MTA had a match. Tully had declared that before the match that this would, he would not grant any more U.S. title matches to Magnum because he had fulfilled all his contracts. Back in the day, the story would be a champion or a performer would go into the offices of the wrestling promotion and sign all these contracts for matches for the various arenas, and that would be how business was done. It was treated more as a sport that way. So this was the last match before that he had to fulfill before Magnum had to go to the back of the line. Well, it turned out they both fought each other and both ended up collapsing for a 10 count, making it a no contest. And the referee stopped the match. Well, Magnum was furious at this, and he wanted a match. So he went to Bob Geigel, head of the NWA. And he says, I want one last match. This, this is a hot feud. I need this match, and I want this to be an I quit match in a cage. Bob Geigel refused to grant Magnum the match, citing the amount of animosity and citing that the wrestling title, that the U.S. title was a wrestling title, not a title for a fighter should not be on the line for this kind of match. This is more of a grudge match. The title should not be there. So he's demanded all this. Well, towards the end of the show, after, after Bob Geigel had delivered his news to Magnum, Magnum is, is, uh, Magnum's cutting a promo, and Baby Doll comes out and offers, you know, if you need anything in this time of need, here's my card, call me. Magnum TA famously grabs Baby Doll and plants a wet one on her. To the, to the point where David Crockett is saying he likes or she likes it. Look at her. Look at her. She likes it. Um, you can see all this on the uh, Oct- or November 2nd, 1985 World Championship Wrestling on the network. It's really the first episode of Worldwide they have to build up Starcade 1985 on the network. So, so this part of the recap is on there. After he kisses her, Tully Blanchard comes out and, and just lays the fist to, to him. And, and, the, and the build is on again. So on World Championship Wrestling the next week, Jim Crockett, head of the Mid-Atlantic Territory of the NWA, comes out and says this has gotten way out of hand. And that according to the NWA bylaws, he has a signed contract from, if he has a signed contract, and if he thought he had the best interest of wrestling and the contestants at hand, he could add a stipulation to the match. Well, it just so happens when Tully Blanchard walked into the office, he had an extra signed contract that, that went unsigned by another participant. So, Jim Crockett Jr. decides, well, here we go. I have a match here with Tully Blanchard and an open contract. We'll put Magnum TA in there, and we'll make it an I Quit match at Starcade 1985 for the United States heavyweight title. And so Tully Blanchard loses his cool. You know, this is unfair. Uh, especially in, in the promo, he tells Baby Doll to, to hang on to the microphone so he could wag his finger in shame at what Jim Crockett has done to him. And Magnum, who is full of hatred by now for what has been going on these past few months, is, is cutting some of the most intense promos of his career, just staring into the camera and seething. And so, 1985, November 28th, you said? 1985, November 28th. I was four days old. If I we haven't get, mentioned that yet. We get the I quit match between Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA. Uh, and this match um, starts off kind of as a wrestling match a little bit because, you know, a lockup, 
and and tell and you know it, it was kind of a a Tully had it was always pride himself on wrestling. Let's be oh, real. It, got, it turned into a brawl. Jeff. It, it was a brawl. Into... Oh yeah, it was a quick brawl yeah. too. Like it was from start to finish. It was a brawl. It went like fourteen minutes. It mm-hmm. was a brawl. These two guys beat the crap out of each other. And Tony Schiavone is like, we don't usually see this. We don't usually see it break down this early. Yes. This is wrestling treated as a real fight where guys get very, very tired because they're trying to kill each other. And these guys made it look like they were trying to really kill each other, scratching each other's faces. Tully Blanchard blades his arm for God's sake to make it look like various parts of him are getting wounded. They're tearing at each other's cuts on their foreheads. They're taking the microphone and jabbing it into the guy's mouth and saying, please say, I quit, I quit. So they're choking him, choking each other while they're doing this. They're hitting each other in the head with a microphone. I love this match. You've never seen it. What did you think? I had never seen it before. This is the first time I'd actually seen uh, this whole thing. I think I've seen clips just when they show like old clips of the Four Horsemen or old clips of Magnum TA. Uh, No, I, I liked it a lot because it was that quick, easy brawl. You know, they... It was an easy story to follow in the little information I had going up. And then you got in there and you're like, okay, yeah, I can understand. This guy wants to beat up Tully Blanchard so bad. And he did. And it's bloody. And he's and he's beating him up like crazy. It was an I quit match. So they had the microphone in the ring, you know, to, to find out if they have to quit. And what else do you expect when you put an I quit match inside of a cage? It's probably going to be bloody, especially in 1985. Uh, no, this was another win. This was another win for our top 100 list. This was another win for the classic wrestling that we have on our top 100 list. Um, it was better than the match we had last. What was the, I don't even remember what the match oh, we had last Jerry, week. Oh, Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam was on uh, Tuesday or on Monday. It, it was, uh, yeah, I know we've had some recent matches in our list. I'm like, why is this here? But this one, uh, yeah, I, I believe this one probably belongs. I also, uh, I didn't realize we had talked about the Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair match earlier. Yes. In our top 100. So that match was another one from Starcade 1985. What was cool is you talk about how this was before uh, the Four Horsemen really got going. Mm-hmm. You had all of the other members of the Four Horsemen, what would become the Four Horsemen, at the Omni show. And this yeah. was the only one with Tully Blanchard. He was the only one of the original four that ended up being at the Greensboro Coliseum show. Right. Well, what what was going on was they were they were doing all the various mix-ups of tag teams and, and whatnot, you know, where you'd have super cards and they were teaming Flair and the Andersons, but they were also teaming Buddy Landell yep. and yeah. the Andersons. Nature boy, Buddy Landell. Yes. Nature boy, Lund- B- Buddy Landell, who would flame out very quickly after this Starcade. Well, uh, and this, let, this, let, let me right there. Cause I watched the Buddy Landell promo with JJ Dillon. Okay. On this show. And <laughs> it was, this was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Okay. Because it was obvious to me, like this guy was doing a promo like he was playing backyard wrestler as if he was somebody else. This guy was cutting Mm -hmm. a promo as if he was Ric Flair, as if he was like cosplaying Ric Flair. And he kept talking about how I'm, I'm modeling my life after all these other superstars. I'm modeling after him. Not not I am a superstar, but I am modeling my life after these superstars. There was no doubt that this guy was uh, destined to fail if he kept that attitude up. Yeah, it, it it was a it's a weird. It depends on who you believe, really, because Buddy Landell never really ever. I mean, if you go back and listen to his Cole Cabana interview, he never really told the truth quite a lot. And he was a worker to the end. There's one story that Ric Flair had given Buddy the the blessing to be the nature boy. And that's how they were going to build the program between the two of them to be. And so it was a purposeful 
imitation because he hadn't been doing that in like Mid-South, the tapes I've been watching of him in Mid-South. He was kind of a jobber of the stars who eventually got some credence and was eventually an upper card heel along with Butch Reed there. The other story goes that, that, that Landell went to Nature Boy Buddy Rogers to get the blessing for the Nature Boy character because Ric Flair never did. So there's competing legends on on Buddy Landell that that I can recall offhand, but uh, oh, I I wanted to ask you about this. Did you find in in the Tully Magnum match going back to that? Did you find the wooden chair spot hokey, or did you find it added to the drama for you? I didn't find it hokey at all. Okay, nothing about this match that was hokey. Yeah, no. There, there's some modern viewers who who say they they found it hokey, but that you know it's an action movie sequence with a knife, pretty much, and yeah. and, and they're trying to jab this stake from the wooden chair into the other guy's eye, right. and eventually, hey, I'd be I'd be afraid head. of a jagged leg of a wooden chair. Yes, I would be worried yes. about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I I thought this was an excellent presentation. I thought that it definitely belongs on the top 100 list. Uh, Tully Blanchard is in the news today, if only for the fact that his daughter Tessa is on the NXT tapings tonight. Nice. Yeah, she, Good for her. She works another match. Uh, and we got the reunion already of Blake and Murphy. Oh, Blake and Murphy are back. So it looks like they separated uh, Alexa. Maybe they're going to continue the separation of Blake and Murphy. But interesting stuff. Interesting stuff going on. And if you were a fan of Andrade versus Ty Dillinger last night at TakeOver, watch NXT on Wednesday because the rematch comes your way. Comes oh, your really? way. Okay. Andr- they put Ty Dillinger in, the, in with Andrade again. In front of that mm. full sale crowd, if I thought it was, if I thought it was a mistake after the fact of putting Ty in there with them, I can only imagine that I'm still going to feel that way putting them in there a second time. Like learn from the mistakes, unless they want the crowd yeah. to continue to be more on uh, on Ty Dellinger than in favor of Andrade. I don't know. I wonder how it's going to play on TV next week. But uh, yeah, and I don't know. Interesting stuff going on at the TV tapings. That was match number 30 on our top 100 countdown of best matches to see on WWE Network before you die. This match uh, and this list originally appeared at WWE.com. We've been making our way through them over the last year and a half here on Shake Them Ropes. We will continue it on episode number 155 next week with the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian in the TIT Tournament Final. And uh, next week, also Raw SmackDown. Whatever, uh, whatever the big topics are of Raw SmackDown, we will get to those as well as our preview of Money in the Bank. And our Twitter question of the week, if you have a question or a comment about anything in the world of wrestling, hit us up on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. You can DM us. The DMs are open or tweet at us, and we will pick one question for our Twitter question of the week. So get all that stuff into us now. Go follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, any podcasting platform we should be available on. If there's one that you use that we are not somehow available on, let us know, and we will correct that. And if you would be so kind to take a moment and leave a rating or review, on our iTunes page, the link is bit.ly backslash str iTunes. It is also posted in the uh, in the notes of this episode and available on our Twitter account at Shake Them Ropes. But go leave us a rating and review. It takes like 30 seconds. It'd be very helpful for us. So we appreciate all those who already have. And if you haven't, go do it, please, right now. I'm asking very nicely. Go do it, please, if you will. Jeff Hawkins, this is episode 154. Hopefully... You enjoyed it as much as I did. Had a blast. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? 
Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.